Welcome to Gardy Lou, the podcast where Joyce and Lillian attempt to learn things, including how to record a podcast, and tell you about stuff you wish you never knew. Gardy Lou! Okay, well, today we're going to talk about medical practices, old, and some of them are still current today, I believe. Um, Let me see, what have I got here? I kind of started in the medieval times because I thought that would be way old enough. Oh yeah, that sounds old enough. (laughs) And probably very religious, I would imagine. Well, yeah, a lot of it, it is, um... Oh, you know what? I was just thinking, like, maybe we should introduce ourselves a little bit at the beginning. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You want to start over? No, we can just... Okay. Well, I mean, why not, right? (laughs) Hi, I'm Joyce. (laughs) And I'm Lillian. And this is our podcast, Gardy Lou. Gardy Lou! That's how I always imagine it being said. (laughs) I know. You probably don't remember, but... I don't even know what her name was. She used to wear like real straw hats with tags hanging down and all kinds of stuff. And she used to talk like that. Kind of like a... Where was this? Yodel in, in there. I don't know. Some of those old shows that were... Oh, I thought it was like a real person in our lives. <laughs> well, I'm like, she wow. she was a real person, but not in our lives. Not in our lives. On <laughs> so TV. Tarry. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, sorry to interrupt you there. No, but go ahead. Okay. Well, middle evil times were like from the... Okay, now the dog's barking. (laughs) Fifth to the fifteenth century. Is she gonna keep it up? Well, it's Stevie. Oh, he seems all right. Okay, okay. (laughs) You can tell we're amateurs at this. (laughs) Amateur hour. Um, it's they called it the Dark Ages because of the lack of scientific. And cultural advancement, which sometimes I think we still might be there a little bit. Or we're trying to go climb our way back to. <laughs> Let us back into the Dark Ages. A lot of it was kind of, you know, I, I knew these things went on, but it's like children had a, only a 50% survival rate beyond the age of one. Oh my goodness. That's just one. Wow. Um, so does it wait? Does that mean after one only fifty percent survived, or up till one? Well, after one, okay, they were less. <laughs> I think a lot. You know, there were a lot more accidents and things like that. But just to just to to to, to reach age one and and then survive after one, fifty percent died before that. Wow. Yeah. One of the oldest medicines, I saw was the bark of the willow tree and um i've seen that in books and things like that and never made any connections but that's aspirin oh we, use we still use well we sort of use. yeah i, I don't we, use it very often anymore no, we well got, actually whoops <laughs> your microphone just fell over <laughs> yeah. we're having a day here <laughs> it um well i've read too that if they found out about aspirin now, it would be a prescription drug because people just, you know, I think people think it's so mild, they're so used to it that they can take as many as they want. Oh, it yeah. It can cause stomach ulcers and 
Yeah, I think I've heard something about that too, that that it's so powerful or whatever of a drug. Yeah, probably heard it from me because I I probably bring that up every time aspirin's mentioned. But the Egyptians used it for pain relief. So it was more than 3,500 years ago that they used aspirin. And the first surgery... Well, I don't know if it was the first one. (laughs) You're like, I wasn't there, so. (laughs) But cataract surgery. But what they would do, and the first was recorded in India by some guy, I can't pronounce his name, but they poke a sharp or blunt instrument into the eye. Oh, Lord. (laughs) To dislodge the cataract, and it would fall down below your iris. Oh, gosh. And it's still practiced today in some places. Oh, no. Yeah. And then it works? No. <laughs> I mean, like, like now you can't see at have, all? They have some success, so they would not keep doing it. But it, it kind of amazes me that that was the first, or one of the first surgeries, not yeah. something else, like cataracts. Well, they have, like, suturing was something that's done a long time ago because yeah, that they makes sense. mummies. They use sutures on them to bind them up and stuff like that. So but, they had some practice. But the cataract one, I was astonished about I that. I feel so squeamish about that. Just I'm like, don't think about it too much. Don't think about it too much. And then one of, I know we're doing medical practices, but I kind of got off on a tangent with the bubonic plague and the, the pneumonic plague. Two different things, but kind of killed you anyway. <laughs> it's like you're getting this plague or you're getting that plague. And then it killed like 30 to 60% of Europeans, and it took them 150 years to recover. It went on for, for like 200 years, too, oh, didn't it? It went on for a while, and then it would keep coming back like every season, you know. Oh, sounds a like sounds a little familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes COVID again. And, and there really wasn't any cure. It was... Uh, the best cure they could come up with really was just prayer and, and maybe a pr- pilgrimage to a saint's place. But what would happen with the plague, you'd have swollen glands, like in your groin and your armpit, like as big as an egg Ooh. or up to big as a as a common apple, they said, which might be a oh. smaller apple, not those big giant ones. Well, yeah, now, but, but still that's big. <laughs> it sounds really painful. Yeah, and then it would they break open and they break oh, blood and pus. Ugh. Um, and then that that one, I don't know if that was with both of them, but the the black plague they would get those like big blisters like that all over their oh, body. Oh yeah, and it and it would leak, and they'd have fever, chills, vomiting, diarrhea terrible aches and pains and then they died oh gosh sometimes not a good way to go they would go to bed they'd feel fine and wake up and then well they didn't wake up in the morning they'd be dead overnight (laughs) (laughs) oh my god they woke up dead no (laughs) whenever i hear the plague like the first thing that pops into my head is monty python when they're like bring out your dead Bring out your dead. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was like. I mean, oh, they, so they, creepy. They thought you. I mean, you could get it from. They thought just touching somebody's clothing, but they the, the doctors at the time, or the physicians. I don't know what they called them then, but they believed it was called 
caused by a pest pestis <laughs> Oh boy, I can't pronounce the right I told you it's gonna be a day. <laughs> Pestilential atmosphere caused by planet planetary conjunction, earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. But the way they treated this Here's somebody has got all these horrible symptoms. Bloodletting, which we know they did a lot. Um, boil lancing. They would Ugh. cut them open, which was bad because then all of those germs and everything would just, just get on spread everywhere. Yeah. Um, bathing in vinegar or rose water. Uh, well, that probably didn't hurt anybody too much, <laughs> maybe. Some believed the air had become stiff, which I put quotation marks about. <laughs> stiff air? <laughs> yeah. It had to be broken up by loud noises like bells. Oh, yeah. Um, I I actually read something about that that I have here. It says, um, since diseases were anciently thought to be the work of demons, church bells were frequent, frequently rung during epidemics. They were rung during outbreaks of the plague. Doctors believe the clamor of the bells were thought to dissipate the heavy and corrupt airs, which I guess would be the stiff airs, (laughs) that were thought to be the cause of the disease. But I was like, well, what kind of bells are we talking about here? I mean, are they really that windy (laughs) where they're shifting the air? I don't know if it shifted the air. They thought it was the noise. The noise did it, yeah. Like the vibration somehow neutralized the plague in the stiff air. (laughs) And they said guns were fired. Of course, I had to look that up because when did they invent guns? Because this is like 1340. Yeah. And they did have guns. They've had guns before that. They weren't always like the guns we see now, but they... They had some kind of gun. Gunpowder. And they released birds to fly around the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> oh, we've come a long way. And it's 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 like, well, that's going to cure it? Well, it didn't. They said it didn't. They had no hope other than really than prayer. So it was just, yeah, you, that's all they had was magical thinking of some kind. Yeah, I doubt that anyone really survived the plague because third of the population. Um, and they, they thought it was spread. They said... One of them said, I guess they quoted from somewhere, that it was instantaneous death occurs when the aerial spirit escaping from the eyes of the sick man strikes the healthy person standing near and looking at the sick. Oh, so would people try not to look at the sick people then? I guess. Just walk in backwards, hand them some stuff, (laughs) walk back out. Wow, that's weird. But interesting, I have a couple of things on the plague, too, that I found um, mugwort was thought to prevent plague, so they would carry it in, like, a little satchel. It was supposed to prevent a lot of stuff. (laughs) So, like, travelers would carry it around in a little bag, hoping to prevent getting sick and other stuff. And then the Romans thought driving nails into the wall was an antidote to the plague, Hmm. which was... Doesn't make any sense. I don't no, know why they would think that. It has something to do with the spirits or something. Something. It's something with the iron. I think there was a lot of um, magical thinking around iron, the property of iron or something. And then also, 
three or four onions would be peeled and left on the ground for 10 days. And they were supposed to gather all of the infection in the neighborhood and like get rid of it, absorb it, I guess. In a neighborhood? Yeah, so like you just do it outside, I guess, maybe in the middle of town <laughs> and hope it sucked it all in. I know onions have some medicinal purposes. Yeah, that's what's too. interesting about this stuff too is like it's, there's a little bit of truth or fact in some of, not all of them, you know, but in some of the, some of the things and you can see how modern medicines developed out mm. of those things. Yeah, improved. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe eat the onion and it helps you versus just peeling it and laying it on the ground. And then there were, these are like, the, the plague was the worst in in the past. And then leprosy was another thing. Um, we know they treated them by separating them and not letting them. Uh, it wasn't passed the way they did, but I didn't write all that down. I forget what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like they thought it was... Like you would give it to each other yeah. through one method, but that wasn't the method. It wasn't, yeah. They, they, they said that they weren't contagious all the time either, that in the early stages they, they weren't contagious. It's probably just whenever, kind of like monkeypox or whatever, when you have the actual lesions or... I don't know. I don't really know much about... Um, what were we just talking about? Leprosy. <laughs> Leprosy. Like, uh, you know... Mostly what I know is from TV movies or whatever, where like they go, they're sent to an island, but you don't, and like your skin falls off or something. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if that's very accurate at all. I don't know either, but most of my information comes from movies too. Yeah, I guess because, I mean, luckily we don't really have to worry about it now. Well, they do still have, I mean, it still happens. It's just not. Not like it was. Yeah, they know more about it. And then one more thing thing this the three top diseases and stuff was saint anthony's fire and they named it that because their extremities would turn bright red oh gosh and they'd become gangrious gangry gang gangrenous i don't know how you basically they got gangrene they got gangrene yeah <laughs> and they they'd fall off or they'd have to amputate their oh their i can't imagine stuff. amputation then must have been Oh, horrible. Infection? I mean, it's like, oh, just... And they didn't always wash. They didn't know about germs, really, so they weren't washing. Like, they just amputate your leg and then take the tools to the next person and... Chop their leg off. Or, yeah. I don't know how anybody survived. I don't know. But they must have, or they would have stopped doing it, I imagine. They must yeah. have had some survival rate. Yeah. I guess if you're going to die anyway, which you probably would have, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's how they looked at it. Well, a lot of it, they didn't believe in germs and stuff because they believed in the four humors, which was the fluids in your body, like yellow bile, phlegm, black bile, and blood. And they were controlled by four elements, fire, water, earth, and air. There's some more religion for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's always fascinated me because I think when I was a kid, the word phlegm just seemed so disgusting. And then I was like, bile? Like yellow and black bile? Just sounds gross. <laughs> it's not a pleasant sounding. <laughs> I don't know where the black bile is. I know like uh, yellow bile must be that bile in your stomach. Yeah, I always wondered what the black bile was too. Yeah, I didn't look that Like maybe it has up. something to do with the liver. I know, some stuff you're like, I'm not sure I want to know any more about this. <laughs> Especially when they start talking about 
phlegm and all that. I know. Like, I don't like <laughs> thinking about phlegm. Or saliva all that much. <clears throat> One of the things that did work would be the herbs and vinegar. The vinegars, a lot of those did help. And then I didn't realize this either, but they would treat the... If, an, if the herb resembled a part of the body, that was the part of the body that would be treated with that particular herb. Oh, I think I read some stuff about that too. Like if you had jaundice, they would find something yellow to give you. Yes. And I'm thinking, why not the opposite of yellow <laughs> to stop you from being yellow? But Well, they, yeah. they thought it was God pointing to the clue, giving them a clue. Oh, okay. What, what that it, makes sense. What was, you know, you know, what that was and why you'd use it for that. Yeah, I find some yellow herb. Nope. There goes Stevie Wonder, our famous chihuahua. You can probably hear him barking. He's probably after the UPS man. And then we have a few other other things I I looked up or I saw. There's this one, an Anglo-Saxon cure for diarrhea. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, an Anglo, Anglo-Saxon cure for diarrhea was that you take a hen's egg, soak it for two nights in vinegar... And if it's not cracked, tap it a little bit so it cracks, and then let it soak again for one night. Beat it in butter. <laughs> oh my goodness! Lay it in oil over fire, which I mean, I think means fry it for a little while, and then eat it. But I think when you put an egg in vinegar, doesn't the shell kind of disintegrate? I think it does. Yeah, I think I that's think... a sci- an old science project trick yeah. thing. Which I thought was kind of weird. Okay, now this one. Milk transfusions. Oh. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, When they had an outbreak of cholera, I guess they didn't have enough people donating blood. And I had to look cholera cholera up. And I think that is like like a diarrhea... You get a lot of diarrhea and stuff. You become you basically die of dehydration, dehydration or something, right? Yeah, because that's what the, now they treat it with um, intravenous liquids. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But they they thought if they gave you the blood, the a milk transfusion, that you would form white blood cells. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So they would literally put it the milk straight into your blood. Yeah, and that. Didn't, did that kill a lot of people? I believe so. Wow, that's <laughs> insane. And then they had the advertisements for cigarettes that would cure hay fever, hay fever, asthma. Oh, yeah, I love that one, the cigarettes fever. cure asthma. <laughs> yeah, and the rose fever was common in children, which was a high fever and rash. Oh. I don't know if they, it sounds like measles to me, but these are like kind of, some of these were the medicines that they used. Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup for children was touted as being good for teething, all pain cures, um, cures wind colic, which is gas, I believe. <laughs> like lots of farting going and, on. <laughs> and diarrhea. And it was 25 cents a bottle, but it was heavy on alcohol and morphine. Oh, gosh. Well, that'll and, cure everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they later started calling it the baby killer. Oh, it's creepy. Chloroform they give for asthma, 
was claimed, <laughs> claimed oh to leave gosh. all symptoms, which makes me think it did relieve the symptoms because it probably killed a lot of people. Oh, yeah. No more symptoms, but also you're dead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. We tried. Uh, cocaine was for hay fever. It amazes me how often what like cocaine was just doled out or um, morphine. Yeah. Now they just doled out for everything. For everything. It cured everything. Well, probably because they were, you know. You're like hyped up on cocaine. Your allergies suddenly don't seem so bad. (laughs) Like, I can get everything done now. Okay. (laughs) Smoke enemas. Tobacco smoke enemas. Oh, yeah. I read a little about this, too. (laughs) Yeah. They said it started when, I guess, along the... Maybe the Thames, I'm not sure, in, in England. But, well, maybe not, because tobacco was from, you know, originated here in the U.S. But they, <laughs> they said somebody was drowning, and, and they pulled them out of the water, and they weren't breathing. And somebody said, well, take this pipe, <laughs> stick it in their butt, and blow the smoke in. I wonder who got to do that job, the one that blows the smoke into somebody's anus. That does not sound like a fun job. And then in the last stages of cholera, they would use it as an alternate to opium. Um, they, the tobacco? Yeah. Okay. And this sounds horrible, too. They take a pint of boiling tobacco infused water and it was administered to the intestines. So well, it was boiling? boiling. Like, oh, yeah. that must have been and so painful. Like, yeah, well, I guess they figured if you're going to die... Um, <laughs> Might as well get boiled intestines on the way yeah, out. It, kept, it said in the stage of collapse. So. Oh. But they also thought it was good um, for... Like, the drowning victims, they used it. And they said it... It was warming and stimulating. Which I guess makes sense. I mean, sort of. It would stimulate something, I imagine. Yeah. And for cholera, they they used it in the last stages, but they came, came out with a kit that had a bellows and rectal tubes. Oh, yeah. I read about that because people were accidentally breathing the, the butt juice air back in like (laughs) sucking it in instead of blowing it out yes and then they were so gross cholera but they said it was good for headaches i can't imagine doing that (laughs) rather have the headache (laughs) for headaches um respiratory cold problems colds uh hernias and abdominal cramps they use this for the smoke enema which i thought was Kind of creepy. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Interesting. And disturbing. <laughs> and disturbing, yeah. Animal dung ointments used in the Egyptians. They, ancient Egyptians started it with lizard blood or dead mice and mud and moldy bread. They'd make topical ointments and then they'd, and dressings, and then they would um, Use donkey, dog, gazelle, and fly dung. Yeah, <laughs> this is I'm like terrified. <laughs> that's what I thought was was um, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Women were dosed with horse saliva for impaired libido. 
Oh, wow. That's an aphrodisiac right there. Horse saliva. I know. I just... So did they drink it or they were just... Did you say dosed or doused? Dosed. Okay. Dosed, so they had I to think, drink it? I don't know if they... Well... I would rather be doused. Just throw it on me. It could be doused because some of these things weren't... The spelling wasn't always... It's like old English. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I noticed that women always got the short end of the stick. Well, that hasn't changed a <laughs> whole lot. That hasn't changed. But one of the things that they contributed to any kind of a woman's problem, of course, if a you know if a woman has pain and they don't know what it's from, like a broken leg, they could tell that that it was always a. A mental problem of some sort. Oh, yeah. Well, that still happens, too, I yeah. think. But they would say it was a wandering womb. Oh, yeah. I remember reading about that in my psychology classes. Yeah, they thought the womb would just roll around. That's what hysteria was considered. Your womb was roaming. Yeah. Making you Because you weren't having mentally you weren't Ill. pregnant and having kids right then. That's what happened. Your womb just <laughs> wandered around yeah, bored doing like, what women were made to do uh, that's yeah. that was it comes down to and that was their prevention was um have lots of babies so i'm sure like if you didn't have lots of babies because you were doing something else with your time then you were probably labeled mentally ill just for that too well if you just went in and said hey wait a minute that's not the right diagnosis i do have pain then you're just a pushy woman and yeah, which yeah. is also probably considered a mental illness and at that time. And yeah, maybe still sometimes it today. It is still, yeah. It's, yeah. How dare you question You came answer. in with a list of symptoms to the doctor? How dare you? I'm the one that decides those. Well, and then women are supposedly supposed to have pain because of Eve eating the apple. Oh, that's right. We're supposed to be... Suffer. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll survive. It's good for your character. Well, that's about it. I didn't... I, like I said, I got off on that tangent with the plague, and I spent a lot of time looking at that because it was just so, I thought it was so horrible. All right, well, let me see. I have some stuff, too, that's a little different. Um, one of the, <laughs> I have this big book of superstitions, and it has a lot of interesting stuff in it around medical things that were believed, I guess, because religion and superstition kind of go hand in hand for you know, and back at that time, that's what they based a lot of their decisions on. Well, and that's what the, the, a lot of these cures that they mentioned here, they said, well, they don't have any data on whether it worked or not. They had no way of collecting it. That's of true. If most of them died, then they can't <laughs> Yeah, yeah this worked. And they don't know what really killed them either, if it no. was the, the cure or the disease. The disease of the cure. So one of the things that I thought was interesting was there was a, um, between the wound and whatever caused the wound, they believed that there remained a connection or a sympathy. So if you, say, got into a knife fight and somebody stabbed you, the cure was for the knife wound was to do something with the knife, not the wound. <laughs> so, like, the wound is healed <laughs> by treating whatever inflicted the wound. So they would take the knife and grease and polish it or take really good care of it. And then that was supposed to heal you from that affliction. Okay, so a wound is healed 
by treating whatever inflicted the wound. So if a horse got a nail in its foot, you would cover the nail with lard or oil and put it in a safe place. And I read some other stories where like somebody got hurt by like a staff or something. And so they would like oil the staff and then mount it over the bed of the person that was injured and take really good care of it. And then the person's actually just suffering and with the wound. Heal yeah. <laughs> but they did take the, 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 the nail out of the horse's foot. They didn't leave it in the foot, right? I think so because they have to take care of the nail. So, and I imagine whatever you were hurt by was, it was really important to get that item. So, oh, so that it would be taken out. Right. So if you were in a knife fight and the other person's knife stabbed you and then they went off with that knife, you're just out of luck. Like, too bad for you. <laughs> yeah. There was a story about a, a woman named Martha Henry that died of tetanus after stepping on a rusty nail. And when the doctors, you know, went to see her, she was, um, you know, nothing had been done to her foot. But the nail was all, like, greased and polished and, like, on display, you know, <laughs> taken care of very well. Um, so I guess not all of the doctors subscribed to that. It was more of a, I guess, I don't want to say mid, midwife practice. That doesn't make sense. What do they call it? Like, um, homeopathic yes. <laughs> or a old yeah. wives' tale or whatever. Um, so let's see. And then there was another story about a woman um, that was married to a ship's carpenter, and he got hurt uh, doing something. So she polished the nail that hurt, injured him, and then she kept it on her mantle because she believed if something happened to it that his wound would reopen. So I guess you also had to take care of that item Forever. Forever. <laughs> or whatever inf infection or cut or whatever you had would come back. Um, a couple other things that I read that were kind of interesting was like um, if, if you put plaster on a wound, the plaster removed, once it's removed, it has to be buried and not burned. Because if, if it was burned, the wound would not heal. So you had to bury it. There was a lot of stuff about burying things. So I think they believed in the Earth's ability to fix all the problems. I guess it makes sense. Like food grows out of the Earth. All this stuff happens in the Earth. So um, they had different weapon salves that they would make to help your wound. Um, I found this one interesting. It's, it has beer's fat, grease from the flick of a boar. Let me see. I gotta put my glasses on. The flick of a boar? Yeah, I have no idea what that is. It must be. It must be like their tail. It says the there. staler the better. So you want really old grease from the flick of a boar. Powdered bloodstones, red saunders, diced and powdered worms. There was a lot of stuff about oh. like worms too, like drying them up and turning them into a powder. And three quarters of moss from a dead man's skull. Moss? Yeah, from a dead man's skull. And it said it's better if you can get even more than that. Three quarters of what? Of moss. I don't know. Like <laughs> off their, like three quarters off their head. Whatever was there, you took three quarters of it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And this was to put on the weapon that had hurt you. Oh. It's not even for your body. It's for the weapon. So it would heal you. 
weird, right? Yeah. And then this was interesting. Cobwebs were used to stop bleeding in minor cuts, and it, it actually works. My dad used to do that. Yeah, so housewives would let cobwebs accumulate in one corner of their house for this purpose. Yep, yep. <laughs> so now if you are not great at housekeeping like me, you can just say, well, I've got to keep these cobwebs going in case somebody gets a minor cut. And then they had, they also would roll the cobwebs into pills and swallow them for infectious fever with chills and sweating. So if you were having chills and sweating, you would take a nice cobweb pill to cure it. So the cobwebs are basically spider webs covered with dust. I mean, what is... Yeah, they said you had to overlook the dust. Well, that's, so that's probably what it is, whatever accumulates on a spider web. Oh, for the blood? To stop, yeah. kind of fills the, absorbs the blood. Yeah. Um, frogs were used to cure thrush. You would hold a live frog with its head <laughs> in the patient's mouth, and as it breathed, it drew the disease away from the patient and into itself. Um, they also used dried bits of frog worn in a silk bag around the neck to prevent ep epilepsy and other fits. Wow. So that must have been fun. You have to have a dead frog around your neck. Ugh. Um, to cure cancer, general weakness, and consumption, you would swallow a young frog alive. And that was also for something else that I might, I remember, but now I can't remember what it was that I read uh, that it cured another thing too, but that's just... Swallowing young frog? Yeah, alive. And I'm like, ah, the poor, the animals in these stories, it's just so horrible. Um... A cure for whoop, whooping cough was to let a sheep breathe on the person, and then you would lie the person down where the sheep had just vacated. So where they went to the bathroom, you would <laughs> let the sheep breathe on them, then lay them in whatever they, you know, urinated or whatever, and that was supposed to get rid of uh, whooping cough. How did they come up with these things? Did somebody There's just so many to get like, better on their own by some miracle, and and they said, "Well, it had to have been the frog that did it." Or... You'd be amazed at what riding on a donkey backwards can cure. <laughs> I read something about that too. <laughs> I didn't put write that one down because I thought this is so ridiculous. <laughs> well, you'd have to have. I mean, if you didn't have a donkey, you couldn't get cured of anything. Yeah, you'd have to borrow someone's donkey. <laughs> But there was a story about the plague came to their town, so they took their daughter and put her on the donkey backwards, and then um, she had to ride it backwards while they were hanging something over her head, some plant, and then also she was holding like three donkey hairs or something. And, but she didn't get the plague, so they decided that that was a good... That worked. Yeah, words off the plague. Another cure for a whooping cough was to wrap a slice of bread in a cloth, bury it for three days, and then dig it up and eat it. Well, that might have been mold, the penicillin, beginning yeah, of penicillin. Yeah, the penicillin. Um, <laughs> drinking sheep dung dissolved in milk was thought to cure gallstones. <laughs> I think it might cause gallstones. Doesn't milk cause gallstones? I don't know what causes gallstones, actually. So I have no idea. certain things for like kidney stones. Yeah. Like, Where are gallstones? Is that in your um 
gallbladder. Your gallbladder. Maybe. I always thought gallbladder was more of a, too much fat or something, but maybe that's after you have it removed. You have to cut. Be careful about the fat yeah. that you eat. I feel like there's out some stuff. There's a lot of stuff that. Yeah, they think it doesn't do anything, and then they take it out, and then they think, oh, well, actually, I think it did do this thing that yeah. cuts your body. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of people have a lot of problems after they have their gallbladder removed. So. <laughs> Along this line here of weird stuff, um, they had a belief that the dead hand of a man who died on the gallows or had committed suicide was believed to have curative powers. So when executions were public, sufferers from goiter, cancer, tumors, and sores of various kinds often went to a hanging and persuaded or bribed the hangman to let them stroke the affected part with the dead man's hand. So you would get in line and the closer you did it to death the better like the closer to the person taking their last breath the more powerful the dead hand was but it had to be from a criminal it it some people would use non-criminals but it was preferable because supposedly the if you died by as a criminal or suicide it was a more powerful hand but some people tried to do it with regular people but I don't think it worked. Cause... And then they would have to stroke the hand onto the affected parts. So if you had like the goiter on your neck, you'd have to rub it on your neck. And they would, um, they had people like coming in the middle of the night if they left the body hanging, trying to jump up and uh -oh. get the hand. And um, it was kind of creepy. It sounds creepy. I wasn't there. <laughs> but I'm sure it was creepy. <laughs> um well, I don't think they had, they didn't have the, such superstitions about dead bodies like we do. I mean, they, they saw dead bodies. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so. Cause they, there was some stuff too, where they used dead body parts to like grind up and, and use yeah. for other illnesses and stuff too, which I'm sure probably wasn't, probably spread some illnesses more oh, than, yeah. than helped them. But so, okay, I've got a few more things. <laughs> This one's very disturbing, so if you're sensitive, you might want to close your ears. Um, hemorrhoids. Um, <laughs> even painful hemorrhoids had a patron saint. It was once believed that if a person did not pray to the canonized, canonized Irish monk, St. Fiacra, who was said to protect one from such maladies, that they would suffer from hemorrhoids. If a person chose not to pray to St. Fiacra and came down with hemorrhoids, they were sent off to the monks who would put a red-hot iron on them. Ooh. Cauterize them? Yeah. Ew. Alternatively, the patient could sit on St. Fiacra's famous rock, the spot where the 7th century monk was miraculously cured of his own hemorrhoids. Can you imagine being the saint of hemorrhoids? <laughs> I guess there's a saint for everything, but... I, I, I would not imagine that. Later treatments were far less painful and more effective, like soaking in a hot bath. That yeah. sounds much better. Well, they had superstitions about baths, too, so... <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> How dare you wash something? Oh, no. In early version of Botox, 19th century doctors used paraffin wax injections to smooth out wrinkles and in breast augmentation procedures. I also read that they did it in... Um, penises too to Make change them. the shape or whatever if they were slightly deformed or something 
um, but wax hardens, and in this case, it hardened into thick, painful lumps known as paraphenomas. Um, and they still use that word paraphenomas for even now, like when they do the other types of injections, like silic silicone or whatever, it can do that, like turn into hard lumps, which I think has happened to people with breast implants. Yes. Um, well, I can't imagine doing that. And I mean, <laughs> here you want to improve your... Your yeah, you probably look good for a day or two. I don't know how long it takes, and then it yeah. starts to harden. Um, but they didn't have the, the, the communications back then. I mean, no. something goes wrong now, people put it out on the internet. Like, right, like, don't do this, don't do it's this. dangerous, or your face will look like mine. Um, so that didn't go on too long because they figured it out pretty quickly that it wasn't a great <laughs> option. There wasn't anybody signing up for that procedure. Um, oh, and then urine, of course, is like we talked, I think, in another episode about them using it for leather and and stuff. But they also used it um, as an antiseptic. I guess if they let it sit long enough, it became you know ammonia, so they would use it. But they also used it to whiten... The Romans are said to have used it to whiten their teeth. Ooh. And then um, King Henry VIII's surgeon recommended that all battle wounds should be washed in urine. And later it was used to treat sores caused by the bubonic plague. Ooh. Urine is popularly believed to be sterile even today, but evidence shows that that's not the case. So... Think about that. Well, it makes sense it's, that it wouldn't be sterile. It's taking the toxins out of your body. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff around urine even now. Like, I remember maybe eight eight or nine years ago, I was in Albuquerque, and they had one of those, um, what are they called, the TV channels where anybody can go on and have a show. You know what I'm talking about? Not really, no. Like the public channels or whatever, oh, okay. public TV stations. It's so hard now because I don't even know if people have regular TV like that or you can get public. But they would have these shows and there was a man on there just touting the benefits of drinking your own urine and how healthy it is for you. And and I was watching it because I couldn't stop watching it because <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, but there's people that you know, believe in that. And then I think that even came up recently with, um, as a COVID treatment for a while there where people were, cause they were like (laughs) getting dirt from someplace. And then there was the urine. People were drinking to drink urine. Don't drink urine. It's not healthy. The the urine, that was one of the few things that the, the, the physicians could use to diagnose people. You know, they would look at their urine and smell it and they could tell <laughs> yeah right. going on they were it. that was like the first urine test and they had to smell it and i thought who would want that job they had taste it too oh boy well you just turned me off wanting to be a doctor <laughs> back then <laughs> um let's see okay so um i thought this was interesting because we have people in our family with diabetes but There was a time, even during the 20th century, when people who suffered from severe mental illness, such as schizophrenia, were treated worse than animals, and that's not an exaggeration. A patient with heavy depression or schizophrenia would most likely have a lobotomy, but if he or she was lucky enough, they could get away with a milder treatment, such as an insulin coma. 
Despite the high risks, which caused numerous deaths, insulin coma was rapidly used throughout Europe and many specialized units were built for the procedure. Needless to say that along with a lobotomy and several other inhumane but now debunked medical treatments, the so-called sugar coma was just another terrible idea that gave psychiatry a bad name. The lobotomy death was not that long ago. No, and it's interesting because then I think they moved on from that to the electric shock therapy. Yeah, and And that was bad, but that's been brought back because now I think they've figured out a little bit goes a long way. Like you don't need to (laughs) shock somebody into oblivion, but little electrical impulses might be helpful because I've seen that. mentioned so and i guess i should say that this is not a place to get medical advice (laughs) we are not doctors um but anyway so that's kind of interesting too well they say that in the future they're going to look back on us and laugh at some of the stuff that yeah that we're doing right now we don't even know i think about that sometimes when we're looking at historical stuff that was probably cutting edge at the time. Oh, yeah. You know, and and then now, what is cutting edge now made in a couple of decades seem so outdated. Outdated, yes. Yeah, like, why were we so cruel to people and how could we do that? Um, this was interesting because I think I actually had one of these. In 1743, German at- anatomist, an- an- anatomist? Anatomist. <laughs> oh, all of a sudden that doesn't make sense. Lawrence Heister wrote down treatment options for Bible cysts, which appeared on the hands or wrists. Remember when I had that big lump on my wrist and then I had to wear the brace mm-hmm. and all that? Um, so I think this is that's basically what this is. Um, they included strapping a bullet that had killed an animal to the cyst or touching it with the dead man's hand. That was those were the treatments. But one of the treatments he recommended was hitting it with a heavy book, and that is still used today. And that's why they're called Bible cysts. The Bible was supposedly a good book to whack the cyst with because it's so big. So that's a cyst? Yeah, and that's what I had. It was like a big, like, fluid-filled thing that had developed probably from the carpal tunnel thing I was dealing with. But... It burst one day when I went to um, lift myself up to sit on something, you know, like how you kind of go backwards, and I must have put all my body weight down on my on that cyst, and then it burst, and then it went away, and that was the end of it. Well, I was wondering, because I had that for the last few months. I've had one on my, well, on my thumb area, right where the, I thought it was like on the bone or something there was causing it, but it's gone now. Yeah, it so might that be. must be what happened because it it just it didn't decrease, it didn't get smaller, it just disappeared. Yeah, and they they said um, I think when I went to the doctor, it was kind of like it'll go away on its own kind of thing. But they gave me the arm, the wrist brace to kind of keep it so it wouldn't bother me. Yeah, more but comfortable. But it was kind of shocking when it burst, but it, I don't remember it hurting. And then it was great because it was that was the end of it. Yeah. So I guess I should have whacked it with my Bible. (laughs) Found a Bible to whack it with. Um, This is weird, too. I tried to find some, like, you know, weird stuff that I didn't think you would find, so we'd have different things to talk about. But 
Um, J.H. Kellogg, the man behind the beloved Kellogg cereal brand, was a full-fledged medical doctor and health activist. Another little-known fact, Dr. Kellogg's famous cornflakes were also originally created to prevent sexual urges, or more specifically, to inhibit the urge to masturbate. Masturbation was considered a huge sin back in the 19th century, and Kellogg believed that a healthy diet was the answer to this problem. Unfortunately, Kellogg's flaky idea for an anti-masturbatory breakfast (laughs) did not provide the desired results, but probably made him very wealthy. You know, all of these medications and things come down to somebody wanting to make money. Yeah. Like that baby, the baby killer. Well, it's like they invent a problem, like masturbation's a problem, so now we're going to make money off of it. Yeah. The baby killer one, I kind of, I mean, it's serious when you're, you know, your baby won't stop crying or whatever has colic and all that and you want a solution. So I can see why people were like, oh, this is, this works great. But then, I mean, how do you know, you don't know how much you're giving them or. No. I mean, and also like brain, now what we know about brain development, all of that, it must have been awful. Just like, I know with a lot of liquid medications, you have to shake the bottle. What if they didn't, you know, you got a super dose and you yeah. did that. And, but then, oh. too, like, I've heard stories about people's, you know, giving their kids little little bits of brandy to, you know, make it home. Wasn't you know, do the long card with ride. With the kids? Was somebody tell you to do that with the kids? It might have been Jim's mom might have had a story about somebody, yeah. the grand, their her parents, or maybe, I don't think it was them, but. There was, there was a story about it. Saying yeah, that they would, you know, they're like, just give them a couple of shots of brandy or something. Yeah. Well, my mom gave my brother elderberry wine when he was sick. Oh. She well, because elderberry is supposed to help your <laughs> I think immune system carry or something like that yeah. too. Well, they sell it now as like a. It helps your immune system. You know, all kind of like vitamin C or echinacea. But the wine part's a little different. She she said she went out, you know, she gave him some, and then she went out and did whatever chores were or whatever and came back in, and I guess evidently he kept getting up and getting another (laughs) He liked it? (laughs) Yeah, a little too much when she came in. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, stuff like that. Now you'd probably go to jail for (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bet you would. So this was kind of interesting. They used hydro hydrotherapy, which is basically waterboarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They called it the water cure. Um, hospital personnel would hold a patient underwater until they lost consciousness, after which they were considered cured of their madness, provided they could be revived. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Other forms of the treatment consisted of dunking or showering, reclining patients without warning, which is more like the waterboarding. Um, they didn't really, nobody knows like what, what it, how it was really supposed to help, but then it also developed into a way to torture people. So probably mostly women too. I'm sure. Yeah. Cause they, they got the, they had the madness. Madness. Yeah. Oh, they didn't, they didn't produce enough kids so their husband shut them away or something. Yeah. 
They weren't allowed to have a temper or anything. Yeah, no feelings <laughs> allowed. Anybody. Okay, so this next one is called Xenotransplantation. Um, basically, this was like the version of... What's the, what do they give you Viagra for? Because you can't impotence. get an erection. Impotence, yeah. So if you had impotence, you would um, go to the doctor. And I guess it started in Paris because there was a very specific doctor listed. And they would replace the man's testicles with those of a monkey, um, promising that this treatment would get things humming again. Humming again. <laughs> Um, few of his patients objected to toting around animal gonads. For one thing, they were told that their new testicles had come from inmates, not primates. And for another, many patients just died. So, not that's just weird. <laughs> and that they didn't have any success rates at all. <laughs> and then they just keep doing it. I mean, yeah, I would think that would make it worse. Not better. Yeah, I don't see how it can make it better. No, I'm sure. It, I, I don't know. Just knowing like that they didn't know much then, it was probably just rotting inside your body. Yeah. So, like, you know, you'd have to connect all the blood vessels and tubes and any whatever's down, you know. Not that I know a lot about it, but... No, but you can at least imagine what yeah. it would be like now thinking about it. It's just creepy. Well, plus it's... Usually it's like a blood flow problem, not a... I guess. But they wouldn't know that. No. You know, no. so. You get monkey testicles. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll just stick with not being able to get an erection. Thank you. Um, another shocking medical advancement comes once again from ancient Egypt. Dried cro crocodile dung was very expensive to find, and the men who could afford it bought it for women to insert into their vaginas believing that it would soften as it reached their normal body temperature to form an impenetrable barrier. So it was like a natural birth control. But it didn't oh. really stop anyone from getting pregnant. It just caused infections yes. that led to death and disease. Um, so let's see. There's a lot of uh, stuff about uh, malaria and... Um, they use malaria to treat other things, too, which I thought was interesting. Of course, I forgot to write that part down. They would give you malaria to treat other diseases. Um, but this one was weird. They, um, they would tell patients to write abracadabra over and over <laughs> on a piece of paper with one less letter on each line until the letters formed a triangle with just an A at the bottom. Then they had to tie the paper with flax and wear it around their necks for nine days before tossing it into an east-running stream. If that didn't work, they were supposed to rub themselves with lion fat. Lion fat? Yeah. It's all stuff that would be really expensive and hard to get. Oh. But, you know, so I could just see, like, rich people rubbing lion fat all over themselves. Um... There was a lot of things about rheumatism, too, which I thought, man, there must have been a lot of trouble with rheumatism back mm -hmm. then. Um, one of them was to wear a donkey skin. So I guess donkeys were pretty uh, revered <laughs> for their healing powers. There's a lot of stuff about donkeys, too. Um, another treatment for rheumatism was introduced on Australia's southern coast, 
um, sitting inside a rotting whale carcass. Yeah, I read about that one. It was believed that if a person stayed inside of the dead whale for 30 hours, they would be relieved of joint aches for up to 12 months. So, uh, and that I think I saw like a weird picture of it, but it must have been the drawing, right? When was photography invented? Oh. I don't think it was like... 1800s? Oh, so maybe it was a real picture of like a person inside of a... Well, that was... Whale carcass. Was a particular hotel did that. They... Oh, it was like... was their thing. It's like going to Mexico go for your dentistry, but instead you'd go to Australia and get your um, rheumatism cured. Taking care of, yeah. Oh, gosh. Gross. Yeah, and it must have smelled so bad. Smell, uh, I just think about how bad it must have smelled all the time there, with everybody walking around with dead toad or frog body parts and dung, and you know, on their sores. And I think a lot of the time the cures were so bad that people just said they were, "Oh yeah, I'm cured." Let's not do yeah, it anymore. I feel, I'm I feel, I feel great, great now. Yeah, I'm, I feel great. Let's. You can put that hot poker down. My hemorrhoids are cleared up. <laughs> I'm good. I always wondered about that too, because they also would tie, and they still do that. I guess they would tie the the blood vessels, because that's what the hemorrhoids Ooh, are from, like yeah, swollen vessels, and so they would tie them until they, where you tied it, healed, I guess, and they would fall off. Oh, but I always wonder about that. Like that, how does that work? How do they? <laughs> They're like gotta cut you open a little. I would think Something. to manipulate everything, it and then horrible. it just falls off. Like it can't be any better than the hemorrhoids. I mean, just yeah, keep the hemorrhoids. Maybe I guess their diets probably weren't great, so they probably had constipation a lot. They had it a lot. They didn't eat enough. You know, they didn't have access to fruits and vegetables. Yeah. So, man, poor people. So you can cure, this is just a quick little list of a couple things that I wrote down. You can cure deafness with, mix the gall of a hare with the grease of a fox, warm the mixture and place it in your ear, and you just won't be deaf. You probably melted the wax that was in there. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cleaned out something. Cleaned some Um... For baldness, you shave your head and smear it with the grease of a fox or bear, or smear the head with beetle's juice, which sounds lovely. And then your hair would grow back. I know they use use gunpowder to cure it. What's funny is, like, looking through this, as I see some of these cures sort of making a comeback in the cosmetic fields, or, you know, you see things that they have these ingredients... And I'm over here laughing about it, and then I'm like, wait, did I just buy something that has <laughs> some of this in it? And I'm like, what? Um, John, for jaundice, you swallow nine lice mixed with ale each morning for a week. So I guess you just pick the lice off your head. And <laughs> for jaundice. For jaundice. Well, jaundice can be caused by alcohol, too, right? Because isn't that part your liver not functioning yeah. properly? That could be. I mean, yeah, there's babies born percent. with it, but yeah, I think that's different. But it's, yeah, it's your liver, so you wouldn't want to be drinking alcohol for sure. No. Well, babies, their their livers just hasn't totally developed. That's yeah, it's why they still... Get it, but but it's then they put them underneath liver. some kind of a light, I think, that helps Yeah, them. that's um, 
Yeah, there's like it's like a sun lamp, I think. Yeah. So you just need that. For some reason, the light helps your body produce whatever it needs. Um, oh, here's the other one for swallowing young frogs. It cures asthma. Um, if you have a place that's swelling, just take a knife and cut that part out. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anywhere that's swelling? Ugh. Just hide if you're sick. Don't come out. Don't let anybody <laughs> see you and try to help you. Don't go to the doctor. If you have gout, you boil a red-haired dog in oil. has to be red-haired. A dog? Yeah. A Add... whole dog? Yeah. <laughs> a whole dog. Add worms, pig's marrow, and herbs. Didn't say which herbs. Make a mixture and rub it into the affected area. Wow. So, red dogs beware. Well, I'm not going to do that here. Yeah. I get gout. That's... <laughs> just, uh, yeah, just warn the red dogs. <laughs> Run for your lives. Um, if you have ringworm, you wash your hair in a male's urine. And then for internal bleeding, wear a dried toad in a bag around the neck. That's supposed to cure a lot of things. Apparently, dead toad around the neck. Well, how do you catch these toads, too? Well, we don't have that many here, but... <laughs> You're worried about how to catch them? <laughs> oh, how do they go through some of these things? They're like, we have no toads left because everyone's got one around their neck. Oh, is that why we don't have any toads? <laughs> yeah. dear well i guess that wraps that up do you have anything else to add um i don't think so i think i pretty much went over everything that i had so you did you see any cures you might want to try (laughs) no i don't think so. you're not gonna show up at any executions waiting for that dead man's hand no i find sometimes if you just leave things around they go away by themselves. I'm pretty sure that's probably what most people were doing back then, too. <laughs> I'd be afraid to tell anybody I was sick or had a problem that needed help, you know, with some kind of medical intervention. Well, they said that, like, they had the the women, which they would call witches, you know, or they would be the ones that used the herbs and, and natural healing things. And they had... Um, your physicians, which did the bloodletting and leeches and weird things like that. Then you had barbers, were the ones that took care of your teeth. Oh boy! <laughs> and priests, they you know they, they would get the praying and get the you. evil spirits out of you. Stick yeah. stick with the witches. I think that's what I would do. I would too. But with the herbs, they, they were they were the devil because they, yeah. Because right. <laughs> as if they cured you, then, then they were. It was okay, but they still the devil part. It was a. You were cured by thing. unclean ways or whatever. Yes, and then if you, if anything went wrong, your crop failed or whatever, they would blame it on them. Right. Any of their failures. So we should do it. Do an episode on, on witches. witches. That would be interesting. I think. Yeah. We should probably do that in October, maybe. Yeah. Maybe we can put it in with some other... Yeah, we'll see. Well, I guess that's it. That's it for today. For this week, we're done. Woohoo, we made it. All right, well, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you have a burning question, correction, or suggestion for Gardy Lou, email us at gardyloupod at gmail.com. That's G-A-R-D-Y... 
L-O-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Gardy Lou Pod. Gardy Lou!